Howdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number four of the Jared Berman Podcast. I'm so excited and happy to be here with you guys on this beautiful Thursday afternoon. We have a really, really fun episode planned. We are doing the first edition of the MLB Mailbag. We only have three questions. Look, man, we, we need some more questions. We need some more viewership questions but look man three questions are three questions we got some good topics to talk about then yuki matsui um one of the best mpb relievers of the past like 10 years signed with the san diego padres on a four-year 21 million dollar contract we'll talk about that we'll talk about the san diego padres intriguing roster and what me personally i would do um and and just i just want to talk about this team i mean they were so bad last year um, it, it, it is crazy that they did not even make the playoffs with the type of roster that they did have. So I want to talk about what this team can do in 2024. And then also Fernando Tatis Jr. MVP campaign. I want to talk about Fernando. Uh, the Phillies made a, um, the first offer to Yashinobu Yamamoto. Um, the first reported offer is by the Philadelphia Phillies. We'll talk about that. And we'll overall talk about Yashinobu uh, Yamamoto. And I feel like he's going to get over $300 million. And that's kind of like a lock right now. The bidding price just keeps going up and up for Yamamoto. Uh, the MLB made some rule changes. We got the pitch clock reduced from 20 seconds to 18 seconds. And there was a ton of other stuff. We'll dive into that um, and the impact of those, in my opinion, on if it's a good change or a bad change. Then we have the question of the day question of the day is the best part of the podcast man so leave a like subscribe man let's get straight into the fourth episode of this podcast man wherever you're listening to this we should be on google podcast apple podcast and spotify um hopefully you're watching the right one well obviously if you're listening to this right now you are but on spotify we have like three different channels and they're all named jared berman um this one this was the right one i need to sell i i don't know how to delete the other ones man because i was trying to mess around with it like like maybe in like july of last year or this year sorry but um this one's the right one this one's the one we're using right now um and i don't know how to delete the other one so yeah all right so our first mailback question is actually two questions kind of in one so the first one is from a youtube subscriber his name is jacob horowitz nine five nine eight five nine shout out to jacob horowitz man he asked uh, the Dodgers record prediction for the 2024 MLB season. Then Owen Kenny on TikTok asked, also, will the Dodgers win the World Series for the next 10 straight years? So we're going to talk about the LA Dodgers, what I think they can do this year. And are the Dodgers really a super team? That's what pretty much everyone's talking about. The amount of thumbnails and YouTube clips and Instagram, everything. The Dodgers are the super team. They're the talk of the town. And, and they deservedly show, um, they should be uh, with the moves of signing Shohei Otani and then also bringing in Tyler Glass now. To answer Jacob's question, I, I don't know if I could put an exact number on it. It's so early. They're going to make more moves. They're really in on Yamamoto. I would not be surprised if the LA Dodgers do get Yoshinabu Yamamoto for over $300 million. And that pretty much completely changes the outlook of this team. So I'm not 100% sure and I don't want to put a specific record on it. But all I'm going to say is that they're, they're going to win over 100 games. This team won 100 games last year. Their roster is significantly better. Um, you have you bring in Otani. Like the vibes of this team is going to be great. Um, we know how well run of an organization that they do have. They have such a great farm system still. So the Dodgers will win over 100 games. I don't think that's really a doubt for anyone. And to to talk about Owen's question, uh, will the Dodgers win the World Series for the next 10 years? Now I was actually thinking about this, um, and and I think across all four major American sports. I think when we're talking about next 20 years, starting right now, I don't know if we're even going to see one repeat. And I don't think that's crazy at all. I think the way that sports is are, uh, sports are going, again, at least in America, 
um we're like not with i feel like there's so much parody across every single league and we're talking about the mlb um even the houston Astros, who we consider probably like borderline a dynasty they only won two world series in the past six or seven years since 2017 so the past six years this quote-unquote dynasty only won two world series they've been to obviously four world series they're two out of four in the world series so even a team that i mean that's been as dominant as the houston Astros, they've only won two world series so how do we look at what this dodgers team can do and obviously they're set up for sustained success like they have been for the past like 10 years um and throughout their entire history they've always been a really really good team but um if i had to put a number on it i'm i'm gonna go with the number two i think winning two world series in the next 10 years is crazy i think if they win one honestly i i know this might sound crazy but i think if they win one world series it's a complete success with this roster you win one world series with shohei otani um obviously you're going to be continually a really really good team but just winning one is it, it, it's a success most likely but i think they'll get two world series in the next 10 years the la dodgers and i again i know it sounds kind of probably a little bit weird considering what this roster is and some people might be quick to say like oh they're gonna win four or five more series i'm gonna i think two is a good number i think two is a good number i think if they make four world series like the houston Nationals, like the houston Nationals, we consider as borderline a dynasty and they've been such a dominant team for so long again they only have two world series in the past six years so i think the Dodgers are set up for sustained success, and it's going to be fun as hell to watch them, specifically in 2024. Opening day, I'm telling you guys, this, this is going to be one of the most crazy opening days ever. In Korea, March 20th to 21st, it's Dodgers-Padres. In the middle of spring training, we're going to see a game in Korea with Otani making his debut. It is going to be the most electric thing ever, and I think just in general, this 2024 season for the LA Dodgers, it's going to be must-watch baseball. It's going to be so exciting as a neutral fan, unless you're like a Giants or Padres fan. You're pro—I mean, you're not going to be like like you're probably going to be rooting against them. But um, as just a neutral fan who is a Yankees fan, but I, I just love the game of baseball. It's going to be such a fun and electric atmosphere. And again, they are they are set up. And they will be such a dominant team for, for a really, really long time. I think the two moves of bringing in Glasnow and Otani, I don't know if it's necessarily going to lead to a lot of regular season success for the LA Dodgers compared to what they've done. Because they've, I mean, last year they won 100 games. So if they win 100 games right now um, in 2024, technically they didn't improve. But I think when it comes to playoff time, the, the I mean, the Otani and Glasnow is going to be huge. If they, if they can stay healthy, Glasdow and Otani are going to be game changers. That completely changes the outlook of this team and, and the real potential of them actually winning a World Series uh, like Owen was talking about. So yeah, the Dodgers definitely should be heavy favorites. And, and, and over the next 10 years, I wouldn't be shocked if they make the playoffs 9 out of 10 times. So uh, yeah, the LA Dodgers are set up again for sustained success. And it's going to be fun as hell to watch them in 2024 and beyond. So the next question we got from the mailbag, we got from Will Brennan, man. Will Brennan. Is Juan Soto the next Giancarlo Stan? This is an interesting question. This is an interesting question. First off, I want to talk about Giancarlo Stan. His, his overall tenure just the past like five years for Stan. So Yankees bring in Stan, coming off almost a 60 homer season, probably the best hitter in baseball. Um, I mean, he he his his 2017, or I think it was 2017, his numbers in that year were genuinely mind boggling he, he was one of the best hitters we've ever seen and one of the most dominant power hitting seasons um of a player that i've ever seen i mean really it was such a good season from stan so he's coming off that yankees trade for him he has this huge contract i think it's like 325 million dollars and stan's obviously had an interesting tenure with the yankees he's had injuries pretty much 
throughout the entirety of it. I remember when we first brought him in, he got injured. He, he He's had injury problems for the entire time he's been a Yankee. And just what Stanton did in 2023 was like, you're paying him to be one of the best players in the entire league, specifically best hitters and most dangerous hitters. Stanton was awful. He was a huge liability for the Yankees do. His base running, he's not, he's the least athletic guy in baseball last year when you talk about base running. He's a complete liability in that regard. And then he cannot even play defense. He he strikes out a lot. Um, and he's just one of the most inconsistent hitters in baseball. Though he does go through some stretches where he is dominant. He is so, you don't know what you're going to get from Stan. When he is hot, he's hot. But like, like the amount of inconsistency, inconsistencies that he does have from the power department and just as a hitter, um, when you, and when you combine that, it's just not good. It's not good. And, and, and the contract definitely has not been worth it, but people also forget Stan man has had some moments with the Yankees in 2021. This dude's Giancarlo Stan pretty much practically carried the New York Yankees to the playoffs in 2022. Stan's had some crazy moments also in the playoffs. Every single time the Yankees have been in the playoffs, 20, uh, 20, 2021 and 2022, he's had some really great moments in the playoffs. When the mo moment comes, Giancarlo Stan comes through and he has has been one of the Yankees most clutch players for a long time so it's one Soto the next Giancarlo Stan I'm sorry Will but he's not he's he's just not first of all it's, it's a completely different situation when you think about Juan Soto is 23 I think 23 or 24 years old so Giancarlo Stan when the Yankees traded for him I think it was like 29 like he was a lot older a veteran player and also Juan Soto is a generational hitter he's a generational hitter now he does struggle with the field in which you can compare to Giancarlo Stan but also Juan Soto is a much more athletic player. I think when you just talk about base running and just as a player, like he is not as unathletic as Stan has been, though Stan was more athletic when the Yankees traded for him. And he was actually a good defender, Stan, when the Yankees traded for him. Juan Soto is still, I think, a more athletic player. And again, he's younger. Also, it's a lot different when you consider that the Yankees are trading for him as a rental. Stan, we traded for him when he already got paid a ton. So I do, I do think it's a lot different. I mean, I understand um how i mean stan the stan trade and and the contract is 100 percent criticized and i think when you look at it from now on i mean i i just read an mlb article that like stan's number one goal is to to revive his athleticism i mean i'm really hoping for a stan bounce back season but um when you talk about the injury history and just everything stan does not good like his liabilities um, a lot of the times uh, throughout his Yankees tenure, it has outweighed the positives that he does bring. And this is coming as a guy who loves Stan and is honestly, he's one of my favorite players ever. You can see I got a Stan um, sticker right there, right above where I sleep, man. I love Stan, but um, no, Juan Soto is not the next John Carlos Stan. Juan Soto is going to be a crazy Yankee. Um, and hopefully, I mean, it's all about re-signing Juan Soto. If, if, I mean, if the Yankees can bring Juan Soto in on a long-term deal, it, it's, it's game-changing, man. We have Soto and Judge. I mean, people compared, I mean, Judge and Stan were supposed to be one of the best back-to-back -back duos ever, but Soto and Judge is different. It's, it's just different. The, the, we're getting these two in their genuine prime of their careers, and they're two of the most dominant hitters we have ever seen. You could argue that they're the first and second best hitters in the entire league. So, um... Yeah, I, I think Juan Soto is different than Giancarlo Stan in a lot of ways. So now let's move on to Yuki Matsui signing with the San Diego Padres on a four-year, $21 million deal. Yuki Matsui is an interesting, interesting pitcher. Yuki Matsui, as you can see here, he's 5'8", 167. He's a short king. Shout out to all my short kings. Stand up, 28 years old. And as you can see here, the ERA is right here. 
This dude over the past few years has been one of the best relievers in the entire league. You could see last year he had a 1570 ERA, a 192 ERA, a 0.63 ERA. And this is all in 43 innings, 51 innings, 57 innings. He has been one of the best relievers in the entire league in the MPB for pretty much his entire career. As you can see, he's been a really consistent guy. Uh, who's really elevated his game coming out of the bullpen. He's definitely got an intriguing arsenal. I think when you look at a guy who's coming from the MPB, will it translate to the American style and will it actually be effective? Because he's 5'8", he does not throw the ball hard. He's probably maxing out around 94, 95, consistently around 92, 93. So he's not gonna wow you with the velocity he does have a really really great forkball and the slider is also an effective pitch for him yeah i i think he is a good pitcher though i mean his walk rate which a lot of people criticize with yuki matsui significantly decreased in 2023 so that's a really good sign for him uh he does strike a lot of people out with the forkball the forkball is a really really effective pitch for him so the padres need bullpen arms they didn't i mean they didn't pay him a ton i mean Four years 21 mil that's around five mil a year a little more than that that's not a ton of money um it is a bullpen arm so normally you don't pay bullpen arms but the padres need a bullpen arm um and if he can come in here and be a legit closer um and again he does have the the track record to do so um i i think it would be a really really good move for the san diego padres so now let's look at the san diego padres team so i was looking at this team um yesterday and, and bro, they're interesting, man. They're so intriguing. I mean, obviously coming off the year that they did in 2023, one of the most mind boggling I, I said mind boggling twice in this episode, mind boggling years ever. Really, man, this roster had the potential to be one of the greatest teams of all time. That That is no exaggeration. That's how good of a team they had. They had so many stars. So, uh, Tatis, Soto, Machado, Xander, Bogart, Tassasom, Kim, and then you have Darvish, Blake Snell, and, and Joe Musgrove. Oh my goodness, this team was crazy. And then you also had Josh Hader in the bullpen, by the way. So like, like this team, I, how was it bad last year? But then you take it over to 2024. They fire Bob Melvin. I don't even know who they brought in. I'm going to be honest with you, I do not know the name of the guy they brought in. But I think he was from our internal, if I'm not mistaken. So he might have been like their assistant coach or bench coach or some shit like that. And look, man, they have an interesting as fuck team. And I, how do you really project what this team's going to do? They obviously trade Juan Soto. They get in return Michael King, Randy Vasquez, Johnny Brito, Kyle Higashioka. It's going to be a big part of this team. I'm telling y'all. But um, I look at this team and the first thing that I notice is that their defense looks to be one of, if not the best in the entire league. Look at this infield of obviously Manny Machado, a, a staple piece as one of uh, a top three uh, defensive third baseman in the entire league. Xander Bogarts, who has really stepped up his game at shortstop and has become a very, very good defensive shortstop. Then you have Hassan Kim, who I think is the, I don't think it's really even a debate. Like he is the best defensive second baseman and one of the most um, versatile and just best when you talk about value-wise infielder defensively in the entire game that's how good Hassan Kim is on uh, defense and then you're also with Jake Cronenworth who's I, I don't want to talk about Jake Cronenworth but and then you look at these outfields Fernando Tatis Jr. had such a great year last year and is I think the best defensive right fielder in the entire game when you talk about just using his athleticism he was so impressive last year and then he's got an absolute cannon of an arm center fielder and left field is to be determined for this team this is why i'm talking about intriguing roster and they're not 100 full yet we don't know what this team is exactly exactly going to roll out on opening day but i think kevin kiermeyer would be such a perfect fit 
San Diego Padres, um, AJ Preller, make it fucking happen, please. That would be a perfect move for the San Diego Padres. He would fit in perfectly. They don't really have a ton of lefties. I think Jake Cronenworth right now, and also Cal Mitchell supposed to be starting. Cal Mitchell is not going to be your starting left fielder. Um, he's ass, like genuinely not good. So um, he, you don't have a lot of lefties outside of Jake Cronenworth. He's so, we all know what Kevin, and Kevin Kiermaier, the thing is, you know exactly what you're going to get from Kevin Kiermaier. He's healthy. He plays unreal defense. He brings a ton of energy and he's a very consistent hitter. He's obviously not a great hitter, but he's a very consistent hitter. He's not, honestly, he's not really that bad of a hitter, especially if you're batting Kevin Kiermaier and I, I, I think your team is good. I, I really think your team is probably a good team. The amount of value that Kevin Kiermaier brings, also in the speed department, he's playing 110% all the time. He's just such a perfect fit for this team. He's a contact-oriented bat. Um, and again, he's had some really good years and very solid years uh, with a bat over the past few years. And then I also want to give a shout out to Luis Campusano, who I want to show y'all his stats actually real quick, because I didn't realize how good of a year Luis Campusano had and how good of a player that he actually is. Look at this season, y'all. In 49 games, he had a 319 average, a 134 WRC plus. A 134 WRC plus. This guy's nasty, by the way, bro. I was This dude's got such a good swing, such a great swing. I love Luis Campusano love him i love him and hopefully he can really put it together for a full season like he's got really really good potential at the catcher position then you have higgy as a backup and this starting rotation is so intriguing because musgrove darvish king all really good pitchers especially michael king who i expect to be really really good i love him he's one of my favorite yankees um over the past few years so i'm really sad to see him go but he's gonna really i think succeed and and really step up his game and and elevate his game as a starter i think he just fits better his repertoire uh as a starting pitcher rather than a reliever but all three of these guys have injury histories joe musgrove coming off the year i think he had shoulder surgery some sort of arm issue but he missed uh, most of last season, especially in the second half, you Darvish, he's like 38 years old and he missed a lot of time last year. Michael King has had some serious arm issues. Uh, like those, you're relying on these guys to be, uh, to pitch really huge innings for your team throughout the entirety of the season. And they all have major injury issues. So um, it's going to be interesting to see, but they now they have a lot of more depth with this team. Uh, you bring in Randy Vasquez in the, in the Soto trade. You bring in Johnny Brito in the Vasquez uh, in the Soto trade. So that does help your depth out a lot. And again, this team is not done. They bring in, um, what's his name? Uh, Haki, uh, Yuki Matsui. Uh, for some reason, it hasn't updated yet because I don't think it's actually 100% official, but the Padres are going to make the playoffs. They're, they're going to make the playoffs in 2024. I know it sounds, and it's just hard to say. It's hard to say it coming off of last year. And the roster is, it is worse. Like 100%, they're losing Blake Snell. They're losing Josh Hader. They're losing Juan Soto. Their team is, their roster, I'm sorry, is is a lot, I mean, I wouldn't say a lot worse, but it is 100%, not as good as it was last year. We saw what they did last year, but um, the, you look at this team, they're, 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 they're a playoff team. They're a playoff team, especially when you got Fernando Tachi Jr. winning the MVP in 2024. Yes, it's a lock. It is a lock. Place your bets in. I'm actually probably going to place a bet. I'm not over the age of 18 yet, but tell me that Fernando Tatis Jr. winning the MVP in 2024 is not exactly like Acuna winning the MVP last year. Acuna comes back from the torn ACL. Obviously, different circumstances considering Tatis did get suspended. 2022, Acuna does not look like himself. He does not look like himself at all. He's still good, but like he's not Acuna. Like he's not the MVP candidate that he was in 2021 before he did Terry's ACL. 
And then you look at Fernando Tatis Jr. He comes back from a long suspension. He did not play Major League Baseball for, I think, over a year or maybe two years. Like, he did not play for a long ass fucking time, Fernando Tatis Jr. Comes back um, in a new position, a new environment. This team is entirely different from when he was on the team previously. They have a ton of expectations. Um, and look, man, Fernando Tatis Jr., when you look at him, he had a really good year when you consider how valuable he was as, as a defender in right field. And he did have some moments. I was just watching his highlights today. He had some he had some crazy moments. I remember at the beginning of the year, people forget, like he had some clutch-ass home runs um, and clutch-ass moments that were just like, Fernando Taichi Jr. is the MVP candidate. But he wasn't consistent enough as a hitter um, for him to be like a really, really good player. But he still was solid. I think it a 114 WRC+. Plus. But it's not the Fernando Taichi Jr. that we all know um it, it is one of the most electric and just he is a generational player fernando tatis jr and it, he's gonna happen it, it's gonna happen fernando tatis jr is gonna win the nl mvp in 2024 and also i was thinking about it today mike trout's gonna win it in 2024 for the american league a comeback season from mike trout he did have probably his worst year maybe of his career last year mike trout when you consider i mean mike it was still an unreal year really really great year not gonna be wrong but for Mike Trout, it was definitely a down year for him. He's gonna, he's gonna do it. He's gonna put it together a full season. He, they did lose Otani. It just feels like the Curry year for me in 20, I think it was 2020, uh, when they still did not have Clay Thompson. Curry was going crazy. He had like 34. Um, I, he averaged like 33 or 34 points. Uh, he was just doing, he was just doing everything. But the Warriors still sucked. It just feels like Mike Trout's gonna have hella motivation. He's really gonna fucking do it. So I think Mike Trout and Fernando Tatis Jr. are gonna win MVP. So the Philadelphia Phillies make an offer to Yoshinobu Yamamoto, one of the most prized free agents we have seen ever out of Japan. Probably like on the level, I think when you consider like how they're coming out. Um, of Otani, I mean, okay, no, 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 I can't even make that comparison because Shohei Otani is the greatest baseball player of all time. But at the time, we didn't fully realize and know how good Otani was. But um, Yamamoto is getting some crazy noise right now. I mean, everyone is talking about it. He's going to get upwards of $300 million, according to ESPN's Buster Only. Shout out to you. Um, uh, bidding for Yamamoto could go above $300 million. This guy, um, he's got such an interesting pedigree. Um, just, just the fact that he had a start in like the playoffs where I think he went like 170 pitches in the championship game last year in the NPB like championship game. Um, that just tells you pretty much everything about Yamamoto. He's obviously got crazy stuff, but uh, yeah, the Phillies being in the mix, I feel like no one really knew about it, especially me. I feel like the teams that were really involved is the Mets, the Yankees, and the Dodgers. Those were really the teams like one of those three teams is gonna get Yoshinobu Yamamoto. But the Phillies are the first team to actually make an offer. Now, do I think the Phillies will actually get him? Probably and most likely not. But man, if the Phillies could pull it off, if the Phillies could pull it off, I mean, they have so much money in the books right now. Like, genuinely think about, they've Schwarber, Harper, Trey Turner, who has a huge ass contract. Nick Castellanos has a huge ass contract. Um, JT Ramuto, a lot of money. Like Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler. They have a ton of money so i don't think they're gonna get him because i don't think they're gonna be the high i think the dodgers are gonna outbid them the mets are definitely gonna outbid them um and even the yankees i think would definitely outbid the the philadelphia phillies but it's definitely interesting that the phillies are involved i mean if they could somehow some way pull it off um that top three of yamamoto nola and wheeler come playoff time god damn bro that would be the best best rotation that that's such a good top three 
I mean, they already have a really good top three with Nola, Wheeler, and Ranger Suarez, who I, I he's legit, bro. Ranger Suarez could be an all-star this year. Low-key an all-star, man. He's so good, Ranger Suarez. But the interest that Yamamoto does have from so many teams right now is like like yeah like yeah everyone wants Yamamoto. He's the most prized guy. It's gonna, I think it could go with like 350. Like everybody wants Yamamoto. He's the best free agent starter available. It's gonna be really fun to see him in the United States. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, and and again, just the hype around him. Like he's got a lot of expectations, a lot of expectations. And and watching him in Japan, watching the highlights, um, he looks like a really, really good and fun pitcher to watch. So I'm excited to see him, man. Really, really excited to see him and intrigued to see what team actually gets him. Oh shit. Oh shit, y'all. We just got some news, man. We just got some news, man. I was trying to pull up Instagram because I'm trying to uh, get the get the get the next segment of the MLB rule changes, but we just got an update that Jason Dominguez, uh, Aaron Boone said that Jason Dominguez um, looks like a lot like a regular player and could be potentially um, like available kind of in spring training, but he says it, it, it's looking like it's going to be a lot sooner rather than later with Jason Dominguez with I think it was Tommy John or shoulder surgery. I, I think it's Tommy John surgery that Jason Dominguez um uh went undergoed uh at the end of last year. So yeah, I mean that that's huge, man. I'm really hoping for uh the youngster Jason Dominguez. I mean, if you include him in the mix with Soto, oh my god, by October, if the Yankees have Soto, Dominguez, Judge, you got Volpe still in that mix. You still got Rizzo, you still got Stan, who maybe could have advanced back year. Maybe, maybe. Dude, this team this team's looking a lot better this team this team this team could be dangerous man really really good i'm excited to see what the yankees can do this season so the mlb two hours ago came out with some new news the mlb competition committee approved changes for the 2024 season including an 18 second pitch clock with runners on base four mound visits which is down from five uh last year if a pitcher starts to warm up before an inning he must face at least one hitter, which again, we'll, we'll dive into all these rule changes and what they exactly are. And then also the runner's lane has um, two first base has been widened, widened to the infield grass. So I think there's at least like 20 rule changes, but those are like the significant ones and the other ones are kind of like minuscule. So first off, let's talk about the, the pitch clock getting reduced from 20 seconds to 18 seconds kind of significant but i don't think it's that significant i don't think it's really going to change anything when you consider a fan's perspective it's just a rule change that i don't i don't really see having any value and i think it could potentially have some downsides to the pitchers um when you consider the arm injuries the arm injuries and the severity of them um they did increase last year with the pitch clock being incorporated which i think is understandable and makes a lot of sense so i i just don't want to see the mlb push it too far and maybe this is pushing it too far uh making this role change but um we don't want to see this to push um push too far so uh the fact that pitchers are really stressing on their arm too much uh, because they're trying to rush with the pitch clock. So I just find it to be a really an unnecessary change. The only positive that I really find in it is it, it, it makes it less of a difference between no runners on base and runners on base. Because when I was watching last year, I did notice that when there wasn't runners on base, it felt significantly quicker 
compared to when there was runner on, runners on base. So I think now it's going to make it so like when there is runners on base, it is a little bit longer, but it's not going to be as substantial as it was last year's. But um, again, yeah, let me know in the comments, man, what you guys think of that rule. That's definitely an in, like impactful and it's going to be like seen next year, but we'll see the, the, the effects of it either being positive or negative. So uh, the next one we have um, four mound visits, which is down from five. I don't think it's that major. Um, I mean, it, I, I feel like I feel like the the mound visit became like a thing that a lot of people talked about, specifically broadcasters. They always fucking brought that shit up every single time um, a pitcher was in trouble. They're like, oh man, the mound visits with the pitch clock now it's become huge. You have to utilize all your mound visits. So now they reduce it from four to, uh, from five to four. I don't think it's that big. Um, I mean, it's it, it is significant though. The next one, if a pitcher starts to warm up before an inning, he must face at least one hitter. A lot of people in the comments, at least on this Instagram post from Talking Baseball, were kind of like, "What the fuck is this rule for? Like, this is so weird." But really, I don't think it's that significant. Someone in the comments pretty much explained it. So if a reliever comes in the previous inning, they get out of it, and then he comes in the next inning, he goes on the mound to start warming up for the next inning. The manager can't come out and take him out. So pretty much um, you have to make a decision. If you're going out there to warm up in the next inning on the actual mound, not in the bullpen mound, but on the actual mound coming out for a new inning, you have to face at least one batter before you can get changed. So um, I don't think that really is super significant. A lot of people, again, were kind of shitting on it, but I don't think it really has any impact. And it actually does make sense when you think about it. Why is a pitcher going to go out there, start to warm up, and then you switch the pitcher? It just really doesn't make sense. Um, and there really was no value to it. And then the last one is the runner's lane to first base has been widened to the infield grass. This one's going to be half. This one is going to be like one that we actually have to see in game. There's a hundred and twenty percent going to be a moment in in the regular season. I guarantee you it's going to be in April. Um, this rule gets added. Someone gets a little juke out, and and they're not called out where the runners appears because it has been widened. So it could actually be good. I, I'm thinking about it now in that instance of someone getting juked out, it could be fun as hell. I'm always the guy, man. If I'm in a rundown, bro, I'm, I'm getting that shit. I'm confident in myself in a rundown. Or if there's a race to the bag and like they're trying to tag me, bro, I'm trying to juke out. I'm trying to go to the floor. So it's got hopefully some, some, some shit like that does happen. And that rule does have an impact. But yeah, those are pretty much the rule changes. Let me know what you think of the rule changes, specifically the pitch clock one. That one is obviously the biggest one. Again, I don't think it's super, super, super impactful, but um, hopefully... Hopefully the MLB doesn't, again, take this too far. We don't need to see the severity of arm injuries and just pitchers getting injured, which already has been going up before the pitch clock, go up even more specifically due to the pitch clock. So yeah, all right, y'all, now it's the best part of the podcast, man. The question of the day. Question of the day, man. The question of the day. Drum roll, please, y'all. Drum roll, please. The question of the day on today, December 21st, 2023 is... What is your opinion on MLB Big Inning? If you don't know, MLB Big Inning is pretty much the MLB's version of NFL Red Zone. We, I mean, you're most, I would like to assume you watching know what NFL Red Zone is. Pretty much it's every single Sunday, the NFL has NFL Red Zone. There's all these games going on and you jump game to game. You see every single touchdown from every single game. It's really, really cool. I love watching it. Every NFL fan pretty much loves watching NFL Red Zone. So the MLB, I think in 2021, incorporated this MLB big inning. Pretty much trying to replicate what the NFL does, make it easier for baseball fans to keep a track and, and keep up with 
um all the mob games going on and look man it's definitely interesting how the mob does it first of all i hate how they market this they i especially in the first season i remember when they came out with this i again i think it was 2021 or 2022 they did not promote it at all i remember trying to watch this thing it took me like 10 or 15 minutes just to fucking find it you should make it so anytime you enter the mob app anytime you look up the mob the first thing you should see is watch mob beginning right now it should be so simple and so easy for any person in the entire world to watch mob beginning which is again something that they did actually improve on they made it easier for people to watch it but still they should put it at like the front page and it should in my opinion it should maybe like have its own tv channel maybe like have a youtube feed like something like that to make it really easy for everybody to watch but then when it comes to the actual experience of the mob beginning i don't know man i i, I do find myself sometimes liking it I sometimes do and I did I definitely did watch it like there was multiple nights like I was watching MOB beginning it was later in the season I needed to keep up with all the games it was really cool I, I I did really like it the major gripe I have with it is that the fact that they they keep these four games they have a split box though like you have like one game here one game here one game here one game here in baseball unlike any other sport you cannot see anything I mean I I mean my vision's pretty good I would say actually I have 2020 vision so shout out to me but you you cannot see it you don't understand what the fuck anything is going on in any game the way mob banging should do it is rather than just pretty much for the entire broadcast having four games on at a time zoom into one game and then give updates about the other game and then potentially sometimes doing a two ball broadcast when maybe both inning games are in the ninth inning maybe both games are like in an intense situation stuff like that but these four broadcasts and these four games going on at once I, nobody can keep up with that. No one can see it. Nobody can see it. So um, that's really my opinion on a movie beginning. I think it has a lot of potential. Um, and again, as someone who loves baseball, and I think it could help casual fans really get into not only loving their favorite team but just loving the mob and really being interested and, and and intrigued and like invested in watching all 30 mob teams so the mob has the potential to really improve on this and it has the again the potential to really grow the game of baseball but um this is what happens with the mob i feel like they don't maximize on the potential and and the capabilities that this does have so yeah that's probably gonna wrap up the podcast man this was such a long podcast i'm not gonna lie my voice kind of hurts now i'm not used to talking this long but i definitely need to get like used to doing it because i'm trying to get a broadcasting internship over the summer so definitely need to get used to it but yeah leave a like subscribe i hopefully y'all enjoyed this man wherever you're listening to this or watching it um, we're trying to gain the subscribers. We're trying to get monetized, man. We're trying to get monetized. We need a thousand subscribers. We have fucking 145 subscribers. We need to get that shit up, man. Subscribe. We make podcasts consistently now. We consistent in this bitch, man. I'm having so much fun making and just planning podcasts. We have our first interview. It's probably going to be around next week because I'm off for Christmas break. Next week, it's probably going to be around like Wednesday of next week. We're going to be having our interview in between a podcast i pretty much how i'm gonna do it it's gonna be a podcast like this but in the middle one of our segments is gonna be me interviewing the person and it's gonna be an interesting interview it's gonna be a very very interesting interview um just a little preview it's not an actual athlete it's not an actual athlete it's a trainer and i have some interesting questions that i want to talk to him actually about this pitch clock issue and i think it's going to be a really really fun and potentially funny interview so yeah leave a like subscribe i'm excited for it. i'm really really excited for it. hopefully the guy i'm interviewing right now is watching so uh yeah leave a like subscribe 
appreciate all of you guys and yeah i'll see y'all in the next one peace out